Hi there. Thank you so much for tuning in to our Hillman Class Reunion podcast. Even though we release new episodes every week, we actually began recording prior to the COVID-19 pandemic and completed recording prior to the renewed attention towards the Black Lives Matter movement, which is why you may not hear us mention these important events, especially in earlier episodes. However, we want to assure you that the gravity of what we are experiencing is not lost among us. We also want to inform you that this first episode will primarily feature discussions about Bill Cosby as creator of A Different World. If you prefer not to listen, please feel free to skip ahead to another episode. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you enjoy our first season of Hillman Class Reunion. Going pretty well. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. I'm so excited to be recording our first episode of our Hillman Class Reunion podcast. (laughs) And I'm even more excited that uh, some of you have decided to join us for this uh, podcast. We've been working so hard on it and we're so excited to launch it. So for our very first episode, we are going to start at the beginning. And when I say beginning, I mean the very beginning. Um, It's important that we lay a groundwork for how A Different World even got on the air. And we want to put the show into its proper context, because when we say it's the most important and impactful sitcom ever, we need to understand why. Why make a show about people in college? How did the show or how did a show like this get off the ground in the first place? And moreover, who was in position of power to make this groundbreaking show happen? I mean, you cannot tell the story of a different world without telling the story of the Cosby show. And of course, you can't really tell the story of the Cosby show without telling the story of Bill Cosby. Despite his reputation today, A Different World is inextricably linked to Bill Cosby. So we must talk about it, which is why we say we're starting at the beginning, the very beginning. Bill Cosby is the very beginning. So we're not going to get into, you know, the more controversial aspects of Bill Cosby's history, because that's really just another conversation for another day. But maybe this discussion might help to put some of, uh, you know, that history in context as well. So Portia has done a great deal of research. So she's going to share with me and with uh, you all some of, you know, not even some of, uh, a lot of Bill Cosby's history and how we got or how he got to um, be the brainchild behind, you know, our favorite sitcom. That's right. So. We're going to begin at the beginning. Bill Cosby was born William Henry Cosby, uh, July 12, 1937, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. His mother was a maid and his father was in the Navy. Uh, and although he now has this reputation of, you know, being a champion for education, he actually dropped out of, of school in the 10th grade. Wow. Did not um, know that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like his father, he enlisted in the Navy. And that was in 1956. Now, during this time, he was able to earn his high school diploma. And then after he was discharged, after five years in the Navy, he enrolled at Temple University with the intention of becoming a gym teacher. Okay. But to support himself while he was in school, he worked as a bartender. And this is actually when he started his comedy career. Bartender. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Bill Cosby, after about a year or so at Temple, he decided to pursue comedy full time. And so in 1963, uh, after only a year of dropping out of of Temple, he actually landed an appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And if you know anything about the history of The Tonight Show, it's it's an institution. Right. Yeah. Um, And so. For him to, to land an appearance so early in his comedy career is quite impressive. Right. And he was pretty amateurish, right? 
amateurish? Well, not amateurish, but you know, he was like an amateur, right? He was young because he. Well, I mean, technically he was a professional. Okay. Okay. But he was very young and very early in his, in his professional career. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so actually that same year, 1963, he released his debut comedy album and this earned him his first Grammy nomination. And then in 1965, he won his first Grammy for best comedy performance. Oh, wow. Yeah. We forget that Grammys, uh, <laughs> that the Grammys give out awards for comedy as well. So, um, and interestingly enough, over the course of his career, Bill Cosby has been nominated for 15 Grammys and has won nine times. Oh, wow. So he's quite decorated. Very. Yeah. In 1964, between the release of his first comedy album and his first Grammy win, Bill Cosby married Camille Olivia Hanks in 1964. Oh. Yes. I know. I wonder, uh, uh, you know, was her middle name the influence for our beloved character Olivia on The Cosby Show? I bet so. Okay. Because, you know, her, her maiden name is Hanks, and that was uh, oh, Claire yeah. Hanks. Huxtable's name too, right, yeah. Right, so, right, right, okay. Lots of little tidbits, okay, all throughout the Cosby show. So Camille Cosby, actually, or Camille Hanks, was the eldest daughter of two college-educated parents. She was raised in upper middle class, uh, Norbic, Maryland, just outside of Washington D.C. Okay. Uh, she grew up riding horses. She attended private Catholic school. She was a debutante, so. You know, she grew up very differently from uh, Bill Cosby. Okay. She attended the University of Maryland to study psychology. But in her sophomore year of college, she went on a blind date. And that blind date was with Bill Cosby. And she eventually dropped out of college and married Bill Cosby. She was only 19 and he was 26. Oh, girl, I wonder, did she know when she went on that blind date, her life was about to change forever? About to change completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he, you know, and he was, he was a little advanced. He was several years older than her. So I understand. I like the older man too. Well, I used to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now, even though Camille Cosby dropped out of college, she did go back to school. She earned oh, her bachelor's degree. She earned her master's. And in 1992, she earned a doctorate from University of Massachusetts Amherst. Oh, nice. So she's quite educated. Yes. They went on to have five kids, four daughters and one son, just like in the, on the Cosby show where Mm -hmm. Cliff and Claire Huxtable had four daughters and one son. Mm -hmm. And they were all born between 1965 and 1976. So they, they were, they were uh, working hard to build this family. All right. All right. It was a whirlwind romance, a short courtship and a career on the fast track. So there was a lot of big changes for Bill Cosby professionally and personally. So shortly after, like I said, um, after he left Temple University, he landed on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He released his debut album. He got his first Grammy nomination, got his first Grammy win. And he was on the rise to quickly becoming one of the top African-American comedians in the country. But he also received some criticism uh, for not talking about racism in his comedy act. I think around that same time, um, Dick Gregory mm-hmm. was also on the comedy circuit. Okay. And uh, he was starting to to make a shift into talking more about race in his comedy. Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm chose not to. Gotcha. He believed that he did more for race relations by taking a more more conservative approach, Mm -hmm. um, by not forcing that discussion and making it easier for white people to relate to him. Mm. Um, And, you know, he might have been right. You know, again, this is the 60s, so times were different. Yeah. Um, And there's no telling what, what would have happened if he did force that conversation. He was able to flourish in his career. Because in uh, 1965, he ended up becoming the first African-American to star in a weekly drama series when he was cast in I Spy opposite Robert Culp. Oh, wow. I never realized that he was the first African-American to star in a drama series. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, for him to be so linked to comedy, it is interesting that his big starring role was in a drama. A drama, right. And fun fact, that show aired on NBC. So his his first professional relationship with NBC was not with the Cosby show. Right. And Johnny, um, The Tonight Show, that was an NBC show too, right? Right. Yes. Right. So yeah, his, his history with the network goes way back. Way back. Yeah, absolutely. By the end of its first season, I Spy ranked among the top 20 shows in television. And the show ultimately aired for three seasons from 1965-1968. And the show itself won a Golden Globe for Best Dramatic Series in its second season. Oh, wow. Bill Cosby won the Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series all three seasons. So his first acting award was for drama. Mm. So what was happening during the 60s? Because this is, you know, this is this is quite uh rare and impressive for a black man at the time mm-hmm. to be on a top television show like this. Right. Again, 65 to 68, you know, is the civil rights movement is right, right. happening. We're at the height of, yep. Yeah, we're at the height of the civil rights movement. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of people who not only did not want to integrate. <laughs> Absolutely. They didn't want to integrate their television either. So there were four <laughs> affiliates in the South who just refused to air I Spy at first because it starred a black man. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Mississippi. <laughs> uh, so during this time, also, of course, we're in the aftermath of Dr. King's, Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, with Bill Cosby being one of the most visible uh, black people on television, he ended up narrating two episodes of a groundbreaking seven part TV documentary series titled Of Black America that covered the history and current state of African-Americans um, at that time. And yeah. if you're interested, those episodes are called Black History, Lost, Stolen, Strayed and The Black Soldier. Oh, wow. OK. While he was uh, on I Spy, he continued to record comedy albums, and he even released an album of him singing. Now, who would have guessed that? <laughs> well, you know, we know from the Cosby show, he must have been an avid music lover, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he he definitely has a strong uh, love for, for music, especially jazz music. Um, right. I was um, the other day I was thinking about um, this episode where they played Moody's Mood. I think, yeah, Nancy Wilson was on, was a guest on that episode. And mm-hmm. um, I had to look it up on my Spotify account. And then I was just rem- really reminiscent over um, all of the significant um, just cult, um, I guess, aspects of black culture that that show introduced us to. But I know we'll probably talk about that later down the line. Let's get back to his early history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he put out an album of himself singing. And in the summer of 1968, Cosby actually turned down a record deal from Warner Brothers and decided oh, to what? start. <laughs> a decided to start his own record label. Oh. Mm-hmm. So this record label was called, okay, let me see if I can get it. Tetragrammaton Records. Okay. That's a mouthful. Tetragrammaton Records, co-founded by Bill Cosby. Oh, okay. Um, now it shut down in 1971 after declaring bankruptcy, but Uh-oh. before it shut down, um, its biggest act was a rock band called Deep Purple, which is considered to be one of the pioneers of heavy metal and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016. And oh, did they have any R&B? Do you uh, do you know or did you see any of that? I did or not find that in my research. I didn't find that okay. in my research. Um but yeah, but it 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 is interesting that um Bill Cosby was affiliated with with rock music in his early years. Right. And then another little interesting tidbit also on this record label, he released the controversial 1968 debut album from John Lennon and Yoko Ono. His debut album in the U.S. called Unfinished Mm -hmm. Music, 
number one, two virgins. Now you may not remember that, but the no, album I cover. I wasn't born. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't but at the, all. The album cover is infamous because it features John Lennon and Yoko Ono completely new. It's an iconic album cover that was mm. released on Bill Cosby's record label in the U.S. Oh. Distributed in the U.S. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Moving on, in the 1960s and 70s, Bill Cosby became a frequent guest host on The Tonight Show. I don't think he was the first black person to guest Mm -hmm. host. Mm -hmm. I want to say that honor belongs to Harry Belafonte. Um, But Bill Cosby frequently guest hosted on The Tonight Show. So that was Mm -hmm. pretty special. Um, And in 1969... He earned his fourth Emmy, uh, this time with the Bill Cosby special. And this was in the category of outstanding variety or music program. Hmm. And then the following year, he, he followed it up with the second Bill Cosby special. That's the title, the second Bill Cosby special. And that okay. earned him another nomination in that same category. So he loves naming shows after himself. Okay. Yes. There's a pattern there. I think. I think. <laughs> So he's been doing all this recording. He's put out all these albums. He's doing all this guest hosting. And in 1969, he finally comes out with his first sitcom. Guess what it's called? The Bill Cosby Show, because I used to watch it in syndication. And you're the only person that I know that <laughs> that knows about this show. I did not know about it until I started doing my research. It used to come out, of course, you know, it aired between uh, like 69 and 71, like late 60s, early 70s. But mm-hmm. I remember when I was very, very young um, watching it um, on television at home. My parents were watching it, my, my dad in particular. And, um, you know, I knew it was an old show because of the, you know, the color and the cinematography. But, yep, I knew that show existed. And it was about. Uh, I don't recall the specifics of the show, but I do remember it had something to do with like him being a teacher, like sports or athletics or something. Yep. Yep. He played a gym teacher, you know, kind Uh, of calling back to his past when he originally went to school at Temple wanting to be a fit teacher. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he played a high school gym teacher and it was actually unique in that it was one of the only sitcoms to go without a laugh track. Nowadays we see you know, some some sitcoms out there that don't have laugh tracks. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first to pioneer that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was also um, the first time that an African-American starred in a TV show named after him. Mm. So like a scripted TV show, because there were variety mm-hmm. shows, of course. Right. Like, like right. Nat King Cole had his variety show named after him. Right. But this was a sitcom. Um, now. I'm not going to go over this entire list, but I tried to draw up a list of all the different um, black uh, uh, sitcoms that are named after the star. So mm-hmm. like we're really familiar with Martin named after right. Martin Lawrence, uh, the Jamie Foxx show, of course, Jamie mm-hmm. Foxx, um, Steve Harvey show, mm-hmm. Keenan and Kel, that counts. Was, was it um, Thea? Wasn't that a show? Thea. Yep, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's the sh- the list is shorter with the women, of course. Uh-huh. Um, but Thea, that's so Raven and Raven's Home, named after Raven oh. Simone. Okay. Um, uh, Eve, remember the rapper Eve? She had her own sitcom at one point. She did. She did. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of sitcoms that can kind of, you know, give credit where credit is due in terms of you know, their choices and naming their shows after themselves. Bill Cosby was the first to do it. Okay. The first black person to do it. Right. Okay. So the Bill Cosby show aired from 1969 to 1971. Uh, but in 1970, he earned an Emmy nomination for outstanding performance by an actor in a lead role in a comedy series. And the show itself earned two nominate two Emmy nominations uh, outstanding new series and outstanding comedy series in its first season. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it only lasted two seasons. Right. But that's okay because Bill Cosby bounced back. Uh, he was 
part of the original cast of the electric company. Do you remember the electric company? I do. I do. I do. The electric company was a children's educational show on PBS. Mm -hmm. Um, It also uh, starred Rita Moreno and Morgan Freeman. Okay. Yep. I remember. I think the newer episodes had Morgan Freeman in them, Mm -hmm. but I was definitely a PBS kid. Like after school, I parked myself in front of the television and it was Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, the electric company, 321 Contact, all of that. Yeah. You know, I did the same thing, but for some reason, the electric company skipped right past me. I don't know how. (laughs) Maybe your local PBS station didn't play it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those like those shows that they ran in syndication, they would come on earlier, I think. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, but Bill Cosby was part of that cast and he appeared on the show from 1971 to 1973. Um, now it was during this time that Bill Cosby went back to school and this time he earned his bachelor's from Temple. He went back to Temple. Um, and he got his bachelor's in 1971 and then he earned his master's in education at the University of Massachusetts Amherst in 1972. Okay, now in the fall of 1972, he returned to television with a variety show named The New Bill Cosby Show. He's not letting go. (laughs) Okay, that's what Tyler Perry get it from. Got it. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Put your name on everything. Put your name on it. (laughs) The New Bill Cosby Show. Now, this one only lasted for one season. But he earned a Golden Globe nomination in the category of Best Actor in a television series, um, musical or comedy. Now, after that, he followed up with Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Now, I know you know about this show. Uh huh. This lasted from 1972 to 1985. Mm hmm. Uh, The show received an Emmy nomination in 74, and it was frequently recognized for its educational content on a variety of topics. You know, you remember there were episodes where they were talking about gun violence or vandalism or smoking or kidnapping, all kinds of stuff they touched on with the with uh, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Right. I I don't remember those um, topics in particular, but um, just my recollection of the show is that it was really about good character building. Mm hmm. Yeah. Every show, there was some type of lesson to be learned. Right. Yeah. I do remember that aspect of it. Now, for some reason, it kind of went under different iterations. It was called Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, but then it was renamed the new Fat Albert show. And then at some point it was called the Adventures of Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, go figure. But I think ultimately it's its full run was until 85. And then there was also a live action film called Fat Albert released in 2004 starring Kenan Thompson. I don't I know remember. if you remember that. I did. I went to the movies and Kyla Pratt. I went to the movies to see that. You actually saw it? How was it? (laughs) (laughs) You didn't see it? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Girl, (laughs) I remember enjoying it. Okay. Yeah, it was, it brought back some nostalgia. I don't think it made a buzz at the box office per se, but I actually went to the movies. It might have been on a date chat. I don't know, but I did go see it. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll have to give that a I have to give that a look. Um so yeah, so he was he was getting heavily involved in a lot of kids programming and educational programming, uh, which made sense because, you know, like I said, he went back to school, he got his degrees, and in nineteen seventy six Bill Cosby earned a doctorate um from University of Massachusetts Amherst um in education writing his dissertation on children's television programming as an educational aid and proposed Fat Albert as an effective educational vehicle. Can you believe that? Uh, mm, it's possible, you know, working, <laughs> getting, getting a dissertation done while working full time is possible. I did. I would, I did. So, but you know, okay. I mean, you know, it's very interesting how he was able to meld the two together. Because the whole time we're thinking we're just watching Fat Albert and yeah. now this is part well, of his dissertation. Facts. 
That might, you know what? This actually, even though it may seem like, or I guess I, I could have wrongly implied that he wrote and completed the dissertation in 1976. Um, this could have started, you know, as his dissertation project in 1972. So, you know, it could have been four years in the making. So it makes sense. Yeah. Forgive, but- forget. Forgive me for being judgmental, thinking, you know, he paid somebody to write his dissertation on his show. Now, I mean, you ain't the only one that was thinking that, Ely. Because <laughs> I sure was. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, both of us, we had to write our own dissertations. I, I, I understand if somebody's rather had somebody else write it. <laughs> I that wouldn't is, be mad at it. That, that's all kinds of illegal and unethical. My bad. Mm. However, but I, it's I only been a few assume. years. I'm only a few years removed. <laughs> uh, right, right. I still got a little PTSD, but nonetheless, <laughs> kudos to him. Kudos to him. Moving on. Kudos. Oh, so the other thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned was the title, just in case you wanted to look it up, because I actually did look it up. It's a a real dissertation written by Bill Cosby uh, with Bill Cosby's name on it. My bad. There you go. (laughs) Now you being petty. (laughs) It's called An Integration of the Visual Media via Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids into the elementary school curriculum as a teaching aid and vehicle to achieve increased learning now that's a dissertation title you know it that's a dissertation honey because it's it's so long anyway so yeah so if anybody ever was curious about you know whether or not bill cosby has his doctorate yeah he's dr bill cosby and he when they say right when they say dr cosby that is legit that's legit yeah that's not honorary that is not honorary all right so Beginning in 1978 and running throughout the 80s, Bill Cosby also hosted a series of short educational segments called Picture Pages aimed at preschool and elementary school children. And these segments started airing on Captain Kangaroo and then they moved over to Pinwheel on Nickelodeon. Oh, I remember. I remember Picture Pages. That was that was my thing. I do remember actually watching it on Nickelodeon, too. So. Yeah, the name sounds familiar, but I can't remember that show exactly. Yeah. He would draw and he had this special marker that would like do some song or something. I, it's fuzzy, but I do remember seeing picture pages. Okay. So, yeah, so that was a lot of what he did uh, in terms of kids programming. Now, while he was doing all of this, he also did adult programming as well. Um, in 1976, he hosted a short-lived sketch comedy show called Cause, which I had never heard of before. I, mm-hmm. I would love to be able to see some of that. I wonder if that's on YouTube. And then, of course, uh, throughout the 70s, he starred in several feature films uh, co-starring Sidney Poitier, including Uptown Saturday Night, Let's Do It Again, and A Piece of the Action. Mm. So... Why am I telling you all of this? What is the point? (laughs) (laughs) It's always the point. Always the point. There's always a point. So, you know, we went through his early years in Philly, his stand-up career. He's had 30 albums, comedy and musical albums, 12 live action and animated TV shows or made-for-television movies, 10 feature films, 8 Grammys, including 6 for Best Comedy and 2 for Best Recording for Children. Four mm. primetime Emmys, one daytime Emmy, two Golden Globe nominations, one NAACP Image Award, a doctorate, mm-hmm. one wife, five children. And all of that is before the Cosby show. Right. That's that's pretty incredible. That's impressive. If he never did anything else, that would be quite an impressive career. All of that mm. was just foundation leading up to the Cosby show. Right. Um, but also, not just leading up to the Cosby Show, but this also establishes influence and his power and his status in the entertainment industry. There's very few black men in the industry who have been able to do all the things that he did in the 60s and the 70s. Again, we have to we have to put that into context. Right. Um, right. So by the time the Cosby Show premiered in 1984, 
He was 47 years old and 20 years into a career that would have been quite respectable um, if he had quit the business then. Mm -hmm. All right. So simply put, Bill Cosby was Bill Cosby before the Cosby show. And this is the energy that he came in with when he created the show that would ultimately um, be the one that he was most known for. Wow. That is, uh, he has a just an exceptional and impressive resume. Thank you for um, just that historical context, Dr. Flowers. Just so well thought out and researched. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners do too. So at this time, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the show that actually launched a different world, which is one of my favorite shows also of all time, The Cosby Show. All right. We are Podcasters United to condemn the tragic murders of Black people at the hands of police. This is a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception, and we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that Black lives matter. We believe that Black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witness to it. In creating digital media, we hope to build audiences that will return week after week to hear our voices and we will use our voices to speak against anti-Blackness and police brutality. And we encourage our audiences to be educated, engaged, and to take action. All season long, we will be donating to a variety of groups fighting against police violence and systemic racism and fighting for the safety and security of Black communities. This week, we will be donating to Me Too. And if you're able to, we encourage you to do the same. Go to metoomvmt.org to learn more about the organization and ways you can support. That's M-E-T-O-O-M-V-M-T dot O-R-G. Okay, so we've talked a lot about Bill Cosby and who he was in the entertainment industry before the Cosby show. Now let's talk about this history-making show. All right, so... Again, the Cosby Show debuted in 1984. Uh, so let's just kind of put it into context and, and see what was going on um, in the country during that time. So in 1984, you have Ronald Reagan as the president of the United States, and he was reelected for a second term in November. That BS trickle um, down economics. OK, right. Uh-huh. Um, you also have in 84, Jesse Jackson becoming the second African-American to run for the Democratic nomination. Uh, he lost that nomination to Walter Mondale. And again, he was the second African-American to run. Who was the first? Shirley Chisholm. That's right. Yes, I, I do remember um, being really excited about Jesse Jackson potentially being um, president as, as a little kid. I, I do have. Uh, memories of that. Yeah. You know, I actually remember when Jesse Jackson ran in 88 and I thought that was his first time. I thought that was his only run. I did not realize that he oh. ran in 84. You know what? You know, what? I think I may be thinking about 88 too. Um, you're right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think he got a bit farther in 88. Um, but yeah, his first run in 84 was was quite historic. OK. All right. Because he got to the convention at one point and, and during one of those runs. Right. Maybe that was the 88 run. Uh, I believe I, I re- 88. OK. Yeah. Cause I, I remember seeing him on television um, and just mm-hmm. being really excited as a, as a right. black kid at the, at the potential of having an African-American president. Right. right. Yeah. And if you remember when Barack Obama won the presidency and he was, um, was it Hyde Park in Chicago? And you cut uh-huh. to a um, footage of Jesse Jackson, just yeah. tears streaming down his face. Boo-hoo. But we ain't going to talk about that hot mic on Fox News beforehand. But anyway, tell us what was happening. Uh, tell us what was happening in entertainment in 1984. All right. Okay. Uh, so 84, it, you know, it was a, it was a hot time in entertainment. So 
In January, Michael Jackson's hair caught on fire while he was filming a Pepsi commercial. Mm-mm, for the Super Bowl. For the Super Bowl. And then, and now see, I didn't realize this happened so soon. In February, Michael Jackson won a record eight Grammys in one night off of that Thriller album. I didn't realize it was such a short amount of time between his hair catching on fire and him making history at the Grammys. Wow. That's a lot. It is a lot. That's a lot by itself, but we're not done in 84. Okay. Um, Unfortunately, in April of 84, Marvin Gaye died. Yeah, I remember. remember I remember hearing about it. My parents were very, very sad. Um, I remember my dad saying, you know, I was, my dad was, you know, my parents were talking about it and I asked my dad how he, you know, how he passed away. I I remember my dad saying his father shot him. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I just so remember was, that. I was very, very, I must have been like five, but I, I do remember that. Wow. Yeah. So that shook up the industry for sure. Um, in June of 84, Purple Rain, the album was released. And then the following month in July, Purple Rain, the movie was released. Oh. So Prince, you know, Prince had a career before that, but this shot him, you know, right. over the stratosphere, Purple Rain. Um, and then in July, so I forgot when they crowned uh, Miss America, but uh, by July, Vanessa Williams, who was the first black Miss America, had to relinquish her crown in scandal. Um, she has since gone on to become, you know, a super mega superstar. A lot of people don't even know that she was the first uh, black Miss America. Mm-hmm. So her career did not take too much of a hit. In sports, we know that uh, the Summer Olympics, that was an Olympic year, and uh, it was held in Los Angeles in 84. Okay. So that was pretty huge. Now, that I remember because I believe that was when Mary Lou Retton uh, oh. became the gymna- gymnastics champion. Okay. And so I was flipping all over the place. Literally <laughs> or figuratively? Uh, both. <laughs> I, I was trying to do my little tumbling and, and cartwheels, and mm-hmm. I wanted to. I wanted to do what I was seeing on TV. I even had the ribbon. They had some little kit, the gymnastics kit they or something. Did. They had I, a headband. I had one of they those. They had a cassette tape. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I remember begging to get one of those. Yeah. So yeah, everybody caught Olympic fever. Um, and of course. In the 80s, this is the post-civil rights era. So, you know, we're seeing a growing black middle class, mm-hmm. but we're also seeing, uh, you know, growing levels of poverty and drugs and gangs. And um, so it's a it's an interesting mm-hmm. time in the 80s and under the Reagan administration. Mm-hmm. The crack ec- epidemic. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. Back to the Cosby show. OK. Yeah. So this is this is what's going on in the world uh, when the Cosby show debuted. So the premise of the Cosby show was to, was a, this was an a upper middle class African-American family living in Brooklyn, New York, um, an upper middle class family, not too dissimilar from Camille Cosby's family, actually, mm-hmm. when she was growing up. Um, so you have Bill Cosby playing Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable, an obstetrician and the patriarch of the family. Uh, you have Felicia Rashad, who plays Claire Hanks Huxtable, lawyer and matriarch of the family. Now, here's an interesting fact. Bill Cosby is actually 11 years older than Felicia Rashad, his TV wife, and nine years older than Camille Cosby, his actual wife. Mm-hmm. So Cliff and Claire uh, were raising five kids in Brooklyn. The youngest was Rudy, played by Keisha Knight Pulliam. Next was Vanessa, played by Tempest Bledsoe. Theo, the middle child and the only son, played by Malcolm Jamal Warner. The niece, uh, who was initially actually the eldest child for a few episodes, she was played by mm-hmm. Lisa Bonet. And then you have Sandra, who is now the oldest child. She's the eldest, uh, but her character was actually added midway through the first season. Um, and this character was used to emphasize the accomplishment of raising a successful child. So if you remember, mm-hmm. uh, Sandra was introduced 
by way of, you know, being a college student at Princeton. So that's why right. she wasn't around. Right. And then she came home and Sandra's home. Right. Um, and she was played by Sabrina LaBeouf. Yeah, I remember, um, I know you mentioned their ages. I remember an interview um, during when the Cosby show was in its run. And um, they noticed that uh, Sabrina LaBeouf wasn't that much younger than Claire. She's only 10 years younger or than Felicia Rashad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Felicia Rashad. Yeah. So there's a very, very small uh, age gap there. And did you know that someone else was in the running to play Sandra? Who, girl? Whitney Houston. Shut the front door. Whitney Houston was in the running to become Sandra, but she decided to pursue a career in music instead. Wow. Now, how how interesting would that have been to see Whitney Houston as a Cosby kid? I I could see it, and I you know I also wonder how her life may have been different. Be known as an actress rather than to be known primarily as a as a singer. But then after the bodyguard, though, I'm not sure. What you saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. But you know what? You know what though? We, we we she she was good and waiting to excel. So let me take that back. Let me take that back. You roll it back. I like I like Whitney Houston, the actress. I thought she did all right. He's a good man, Savannah. Okay. One <laughs> <laughs> of my favorite lines. Anyway, okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so initially the Huxtables were going to be a blue collar working class family, but at the suggestion of his wife Camille, Bill Cosby decided to make Cliff and Claire educated and upper middle class professionals. Uh, to elevate the image of African-Americans in pop culture and to also counter negative stereotypes. That's so interesting because I know, um, you know, I would hear people criticize the show because they would say that, you know, it's unrealistic, blah, 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 blah. But it was very realistic. There were lots of African-Americans, you know, at that time who were, um, you know, considered, you know, they were of a professional class or, or middle class and growing up, you know, that was important for us to see, you know, hindsight is always 2020, but I'm so glad that uh, Camille influenced that, that decision and that difference, because I think it definitely gave um, us as, um, you know, little black girls and little uh, black boys something to aspire to, you know, if that wasn't the norm, you know, that we observed in our households. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, Realistic for some, but I, you know, I acknowledge that may not be realistic for others, but it was aspirational for sure. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having, you know, something to, to look up to, having, having some, an aspirational image out there. And it was one of the few to do so. I mean, how many, right. how many shows by that time, um, featuring an all black family, all black cast, um, that occupied that upper middle class, um, you know, kind of, kind of segment. Right. I mean, we have the Jeffersons, but, uh, oh, it the Cosby show was, was different. Cosby show was very different. It was different. Yeah. And so now let's talk a little bit about the popularity of the Cosby show. It debuted on Thursday, September 20th, uh, 1984 at 8 PM on NBC. And it actually remained in that time slot. Thursdays at 8 p.m. for all eight seasons, which is super rare. And that would be 8 p.m. Eastern because I watched it at 7. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Thank you for that (laughs) correction. You're right. 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. And the Cosby Show dominated in the ratings. It was ranked among the top five shows in the country for its first seven seasons. During season one, it was ranked number three. Seasons two through six, it was number one show in America. Wow. Yes. Not just black America. In America. The entire in country. America. Um, That's awesome. And so when, when A Different World debuted during the fourth season of The Cosby Show, it was with the strength of being a spinoff of the number one show in the country, airing immediately after the number one show in the right. country. Yes. And I was parked my little self in front of the television every Thursday at seven o'clock for both. Right. 
So I'm just trying to paint the picture. You you understand the power that we're coming in with. Um, uh-huh. Season three, actually, and this was the season before A Different World, the Cosby show was the most expensive um, uh, advertising time on television. A 30-second ad during the Cosby show was worth $380,000. Wow. And this is Black people. This is Black people. A show starring Black people, like all Black people, with the occasional white guest. With the occasional white guest, white neighbor dropping by. Now, how much do you think $380,000 is worth today? Um, I don't know. I'm going to say in 2020, mm, shoot, probably $380,000. <laughs> <laughs> the money didn't, it didn't go up. Girl, look, don't put the economist on the spot right now. Make sure you delete this out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But no, okay, so in terms of like, okay, in, in real dollar terms, um, I'm going to say, shoot, these, for prime television spots, these advertisers, don't they pay like close to a million? I would think so. I mean, a million sounds like Super Bowl numbers, but I mean, if or, you're number one show in the country, you might be paying a million or close to it. You, that's, that's worth looking up. I have to, I'll look that up. It's hard to say now, I guess, because, you know, with streaming, that complicates things. Sure. Or just watching true, true. regular television anymore. True. Very, very true. No. But anyway, it, it was the most expensive ad time on television. Now let's talk about awards. And I'm just, it's, let me just preface this by saying, I'm only going to mention the awards um, that the Cosby show earned or were nominated for before a different world's premiere in 1987. And the list is, is quite long. So you'll understand why I decided to just cut it off there. Mm-hmm. So the Cosby show had six Emmy Award wins, including Outstanding Comedy Series in 1985. It earned multiple yeah. Emmy Award nominations, including several for Felicia Rashad, who received nominations for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series in 1985 and 86. Um, now, yeah. if you recall, only two African-Americans, Tracy Ellis Ross and mm-hmm. Issa Rae, have been nominated in this category since Felicia mm-hmm. Rashad. And that 30-year streak was broken in, in 2016 when Tracy Ellis Ross was nominated wow. for Blackish. Wow. No one, wow, wow, no wow. African-American woman had won since Isabel Sanford in 1981, who is the first and only African-American woman to win Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy mm. Series for the Emmys. Okay? Gotcha. Context. In 1986, Malcolm Jamal Warner, Keisha Knight Pulliam, and Lisa Bonet each received nominations for Outstanding Supporting Actor or Actress in a Comedy hmm. Series. So you're talking about the whole cast being nom- almost the whole wow. cast being nominated. That's amazing. Yeah. Now in Malcolm Jamal Warner's category, Supporting Actor, we have in 1979 Robert Guillaume was the first African-American nominated, and he won in this category. Uh, Since then, Ron Glass and Eddie Murphy were also nominated. Now, after Malcolm Jamal Warner, only seven African-Americans have been nominated in this category, and none have won. Uh, Now, as far as a supporting actress in a comedy series, in 19... I want to say 80, 81, Marla Gibbs was the first African-American woman nominated oh, wow. in this category. An actress named Paula Kelly was also nominated in 84. Now, Keisha Knight Pulliam and Lisa Bonet went head to head in this category in 86, but they lost to Rhea Perlman okay. for her role in Cheers. But the following year. In 1987, Jack oh. K. Harry became the first and only African-American to win the Emmy for Outstanding Song, Supporting Actress right? in a Comedy Series. 
Sandra, that's it. Sandra. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, since then, only five African Americans have been nominated in this category. None have won. Jack K. Harry is still the only woman, only black woman. Mm -hmm. Now, it wasn't just the um, cast members who have been nominated. We also have guest actors who were nominated. Uh, 1986, Roscoe Lee Brown, Earl Hyman, and Stevie Wonder, of all people. Each received nominations for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series. Now, Roscoe Lee Brown actually won, and he became the first African-American to win in this category. And that's 10 years after becoming the first African-American to be nominated in this category. In 1986, again, Clarice Taylor, who played uh, uh, Mm -hmm. Cliff Huxtable's Mm -hmm. mother, grandma, uh, she received a nomination for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Comedy Series, becoming the first African-American woman to do so. Now, since then, we actually have several Black women who have won in this category. Mm -hmm. Bea Richards, Uzo Aduba, and Tiffany Haddish. Not enough, but nice. Yes. Now, interestingly enough, Bill Cosby's only nomination in the lead actor category for comedy uh, was in 1970 for his previous sitcom, mm. The Bill Cosby Show. He was never nominated for lead you, actor for The Cosby did Show. You, do you think he may have done like Oprah did and just pulled himself out? I suspect mm-hmm. that may have been the case. I'm not exactly sure why he would do that, but I feel like there's just everyone else is getting nominated except for him. I think that might okay. have been yeah. on purpose. I think he pulled his name. Um. Now, you know, just to round this out, in the lead actor category, only 10 African-Americans have been nominated. Uh, Robert Guillaume was actually the first to win in 1985. And 32 years later, Donald Glover won in 2017. That's it. So that's the state of black actors when it comes to (laughs) the Emmy Awards. Uh, So moving on. The Cosby Show has uh, three Golden Globes, including Outstanding Comedy Series in 1985. And uh, actually, Bill Cosby won twice for Best Performance by an Actor in a TV Comedy Series in 1985 and 86. Cosby Show also has a Peabody Award, um, which it earned in 1986, and a host Uh of People's Choice Awards. That's where it stands in terms of of awards. And again, this is all before a different world. Now let's move on to his cultural and historic impact. So Bill Cosby insisted on taping the show in New York City instead of L.A., which was, you know, not necessarily unheard of, but it was kind of rare because, you know, the entertainment industry, the television industry is pretty much based in Hollywood. Um, so to not have your show uh, taped in mm-hmm. in Hollywood was, to me, it seemed mm. kind of like a flex. Yeah. And Absolutely. it makes you stand out. Like, why are you, and especially for it to be such a, uh, right, such a right. popular show, such a successful show, and it's, you know, and it's all the way out there on the East Coast. It has, it's nowhere connected to where all the rest of television is. Mm-hmm. That's definitely. Um, yeah. Um, the Cosby show was one of only five successful TV shows on NBC starring predominantly black cast. That list includes 227, Amen, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, okay. and A Different World. Now, prior to the Cosby show, Few sitcoms had a majority black cast. Um, now, if you remember, Sanford and Son was a black cast. Good Times, The Jeffersons, Baby, I'm Back, What's Happening. Mm-hmm. It's a short list. Few shows centered around black families. You know, and we remember Good Times, remember What's Happening. Yep. The Jeffersons. Few shows starred hmm. black comedians. Now, by my count, I think it was just Sanford and Son and Good Times. Mm -hmm. And then you had, you know, the Cosby show. 
and whatever other Cosby shows <laughs> that Bill Cosby had, right. you know, he named about Co- or, look, Cosby, et cetera, or Cosby at all. <laughs> right. Cosby at all. And then again, you know, few shows were named after the black right. stars of the show. Um, again, we had the Bill Cosby show, the new Bill Cosby show. Um, and Tyler Perry has now taken on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that mantle. He, he likes to name a lot of his, mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. movies and his shows after himself. And as we remember, the Cosby show often featured or referenced African and African-American culture as well as, yeah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, musicians such as Lena Horne, Dizzy Gillespie, B.B. King, Stevie Wonder, like I said earlier. I mentioned Nancy Wilson earlier was on the show one time. But yeah. And, and, you know, fun fact, if you remember what are, are actually, I'm going to quiz you. What did Sandra and Elvin name their twins? Winnie and Nelson. That's right. Winnie and Nelson after the great South African anti-apartheid activist, Winnie and Nelson Mandela. So there were lots of, you know, uh, cultural references sprinkled throughout, but they were never Mm -hmm. in your face. They were never, uh, you know, uh, important to know in order to understand what was going on in each episode. If you had no idea who Winnie and Nelson were, that's okay. You were able to still enjoy the show. But if you did know, then you would be, mm-hmm. you know, you would be tapped into, you know, the different cultural touch points that they were trying to. Right. Absolutely. To and, reference um, there. Also, you know, the show exposed us to a lot of literature um, very subtly, but, um, Exposes nonetheless. There was a episode of the Cosby Show that I was watching in preparation, uh, you know, for the podcast and just kind of reviewing the history. Do you remember the episode where Theo gives, uh, I think her name was Lana, the ring, like this this ring that he ordered from television? They were sitting on the stoop of the show, and um, I remember Rudy coming outside and sitting on the steps and being a little sister. And like eating ice cream, etc. But anyway, the young lady that Thea was interested in was reading a book. And as I paid attention to the show, she was reading uh, Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. Mm. No, I don't remember yeah. that. But wow, that's a good catch. That's a really good catch. So, yeah, there, there were there was a lot there. But yet and still, you know, and you alluded to this earlier. Uh, the Cosby show did get some criticism. Uh, Although it challenged uh, racial stereotypes, they rarely touched on race explicitly or anything Mm -hmm. particularly controversial explicitly. Um, It was also often criticized for giving a false impression that racism Mm -hmm. and poverty were no longer a problem. Um, And, you know, uh, therefore, uh, they faced accusations that the show was unrealistic. But a different world, on the other hand, and, and perhaps by design, um, they often talked about a lot of controversial topics of the day. And I remember, you know, this this really felt symbolic to me. The series finale of The Cosby Show happened the same day as wow. the L.A. riots in 1992. Um, now, what I didn't know is that Bill Cosby went on television out in L.A. to uh. personally ask people to stay off of the streets and, and be at home and watch the show. Now, that following fall, the fall of 92, the season premiere of A Different World was focused on uh, the L.A. riots and they featured mm-hmm. the characters of Whitley and Dwayne. You know, this is yeah. after they got married. They yeah, took a honeymoon that. in L.A. and got caught up in the L.A. riots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was how they were able to incorporate the L.A. riots in their discussion. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting that, you know, that dichotomy a bit where the Cosby show right. went off and then now you have a different world facing it head on, facing the, the real life issues of that day. You know, again, why are we talking about Cosby show? I thought this was supposed to be about a different world. <laughs> I'm sure you, you think it to yourself. <laughs> because we do not have a different world without the Cosby show. So we must pay homage. That's right. The Cosby show was the number one show in the country. I don't know if it was the first African-American show to be number one, but it certainly was the biggest um, in the 80s. Now, you know, Eddie Murphy most Mm -hmm. recently uh, came back to Saturday Night Live after like 30 years 
Um, and it was such a big deal because Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. has frequently been credited uh, for saving Saturday Night Live after a drop in the ratings. Now, if you remember, if, um, you know, if you're a nerd, a little bit of a nerd like me, you know that there was about a five year period where Lauren Michaels, who was the creator of Saturday Night Live and still is with Saturday Night Live. There was a period of time where he left Saturday Night Live. Oh. And during that time, that's when Eddie Murphy came in. He's like 19. Yes. And He's Eddie 19. Murphy, yeah. as young as he was, I think he was like 19, 20 when he joined the cast. Yeah. Super young. Came in there, blew everyone away, saved the show. He left. Lauren Michaels came back. So, you know, a lot of people that come through Saturday Night Live, if you listen to them, uh-huh. um, they give a lot of credit to Lauren Michaels for getting them, you know, giving them their career, giving them a start, helping them, making phone calls, yada, yada, yada. They pay homage to Lauren Michaels. Eddie Murphy does not because Lauren Michaels was not there. Mm -hmm. Eddie Murphy, you know, probably has credit other people, but Eddie Murphy does does not not have to kiss that pinky ring. (laughs) They have to kiss his ring. So much like Eddie Murphy was credited for saving Saturday Night Live, Bill Cosby and the Cosby show are credited for saving NBC because it was during this time. Yes, it was at this time in 84. NBC mm-hmm. was last was in last place among all the network uh, channels. Uh. It brought it from last place to first on the back of Bill Cosby. Now, with that popularity comes power. The show never lost its time slot and it never moved mm-hmm. again from New York to mm-hmm. L.A. with L.A. being the epicenter of, you know, the television industry. Bill Cosby became known as America's dad. The show was quite popular and it featured a lot of very positive uh, images of African-Americans. And it's not just positive, but also showing black people as financially well off. And this matters, you know, but also mm-hmm. financially well off, but in a um, in an attainable way, in a way. So, you know, like the Jeffersons, mm-hmm. they they were kind of framed as being wealthy, but almost like. Like the Jefferson started off, I think Wheezy was a maid and, and George, he had his business and yeah. it almost felt like they won the lottery. I don't think they did, but the, but it almost right. framed, it was almost framed as if right. it was an that, instant switch and now they're rich and they live in this yeah, deluxe apartment you're, in the you're Right. That's the, you know, Mr. Jefferson owned a dry cleaners, but it was, um, you know, it never talked about, you know, the educational, you know, they never, you know, focus on, you know, educational or learning or anything like that. It did seem to be like a, a switch. Like it kind of hap- seemed to happen overnight. Yeah, yeah. It felt kind of overnight. And then you have the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And, you know, this was a, a wealthy family. They lived in a mansion. They lived in a in an exclusive community. Celebrities were their neighbors. And it almost felt, you know, fantastical in a way. It was, so it was because he was a judge was, and she was a college professor. They wasn't balling like that. Right. <laughs> Girl, bye. Right. So it was, a, you know, it was kind of a uh, semi-unrealistic portrayal of black wealth. It kind of framed it as though it was fantastical. It was. Um, Whereas the Cosby show, it was aspirational, but it also seemed more attainable. Yes. They didn't have maids. They didn't have butlers. Right, right. You know, they, the kids were going to public right. school. They lived in a brown, uh, brownstone. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, and these images matter because, again, you're thinking about people who may not be in, you know, regular contact with other black people. The only black people that they see are the ones that they see on TV. So what they know about black people, they really know through the mm-hmm. Huxtables. Um, and so it, the Cosby show made an impact not only on African-Americans, but non-African-Americans as well. Um, and it's a, you know, and the impact is still felt to this mm-hmm. day. Obviously. Absolutely. And the show also featured an African-American upper class, upper middle class, uh, college educated family. Um Again, you know, Cliff was uh obstetrician. Claire was a lawyer. Uh, Sandra was in college at Princeton. Uh, so if there was going to be a successful spinoff, following one of the kids to college seemed to be a natural fit. 
Uh, and if someone was going to center a show around the life of a young African-American college student, Bill Cosby, of course, would be the one to make that happen. This is why we wanted to do a deeper dive um, before we actually talk about a different world. We really wanted to make sure that we talk about the show that brought it into fruition and, you know, the man behind that, because that's mm -hmm. important. It's important to know who had the power to to create a show about black people going to college. Exactly. There's very few shows that even show young people in college um, or transitioning into college. Uh, you have uh, Sister, Sister and Boy Meets World and Moesha, where you see the characters kind of transition into college. Um, today you have Grownish, which shows uh, the character of Zoe from Blackish mm -hmm. transitioning over into college. But I mean, a different world was was a pioneer in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So give props where props is due. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Flowers, for all of that extensive research and knowledge that you share. It's definitely helped me um, to put things into context. I've learned a lot about Ms. Dr. Cosby and, um, you know, the foundation that was laid um, that gave us a different world. So um, looking forward to the next episode where we will discuss the origins of um, a different world um, from the perspective of human. So I think we're going to get a little bit into or maybe a, a lot into, you know, the references to Hillman on The Cosby Show and how we come to have Denise Huxtable as um, our Hillman collegiate. So with that said, um, please follow us on Twitter at Hillman Reunion. Uh, also on Facebook at Hillman Class Reunion and Instagram at Hillman Class Reunion. Please review, rate, subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on all of your favorite platforms. And, you know, leave us comments, feedback. We want to know what you're thinking, how you like the show, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show so that uh, we can make it better and, you know, maybe include you as a guest one day. So we're looking forward to the next time. And thanks for listening, everybody. It's been a pleasure and we'll see you on the next time. Bye. All right. Bye.